thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control, be radial, keep calm, and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Sits and Sibs, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 69 and was recorded on April 24th and made available for download April 28th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And what do we have this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we discuss the Navy's decision to hand the keys straight over to the Cylons. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update. Ten for the Producers Episode 5, Reverse the Verse Episode 44, and Lennon goes on a mini rant about the Hall series. We talk all about the Tyrol system in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, and finally we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to this show as much as we love making it. Thank you to everyone who's already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the school bugs. Any of you boys need a carrier out here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, some of the common answers among tots like police officer, firefighter, astronaut, Ferris wheel operator. You know, those never go out of style. Horse buggy driver, medicinal leech specialist, and royal food taster. Well, I suppose those jobs might technically be out there even today, but they are exceedingly rare, mostly unpleasant, and not strictly necessary in modern times. And just last week, the U.S. Navy added another job to the list of obsolete occupations. Carrier Strike Aircraft Pilot. In a speech given to the 2015 Sea Air Space Symposium at National Harbor, Maryland, Navy Secretary Ray Mabus told the audience that the future of carrier-launched ground assaults should be in the hands of the robots. So, just so there's no confusion here, I quote the good secretary, the F-35 should be, and almost certainly will be, the last manned strike fighter aircraft the Department of the Navy will ever buy or fly. End quote. Speculation now abounds about the future of the FAXX program. This effort, now in its conceptual stages, was intended to replace the FA-18E and F Super Hornets when they get phased out sometime in the 2030s. This so-called sixth-generation jet fighter may now come only in the unmanned flavor, if it gets built at all. Technically speaking, Secretary Mabus' statement left open the question of a sixth-generation air superiority fighter or dedicated interceptor, but he essentially handed half of the Super Hornet's job description over to Skynet. It turns out that not only is the Navy pushing the unmanned aircraft envelope, having already completed successful carrier launches and recovery of an unmanned X-47B in the past year, but they are also out front in developing 3D-printed disposable unmanned drone swarms. Imagine a glider drone with the wingspan of a subway sandwich and whose flight controls consist of one circuit board and a pair of gyroscopes. Well, now stop imagining and just join the Navy, because they're building them on their ships right now. In a triumphant return of my acronym voice, the Cicada, or Close-In Autonomous Disposable Aircraft, was literally held... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
C-I-A-D-A. There's no second C in there. Jeez, Navy. Way to cheat there. Throw in a covert or something. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, covert is in there in the 2011 announcement of the Mark III version. Okay, so let me just repeat this. The third iteration of this design was built and demonstrated four years ago. Anyway, this cicada was literally held up by Secretary Mavis at the speech as the preferred method of performing deep penetration intelligence gathering missions in the future. And given what the U.S. does with every new piece of technology we invent, it's only a matter of time before we figure out how to make it blow things up real good. So the Chris Roberts predictions once again coming true. We're not going to bother flying fighter planes anymore. It's just going to be robots. They're just going to, you know, the robots will do the fighter plane flying. Well, is it is it actually computer controlled or human controlled, just unmanned? See, the Navy, the way the Navy does it is that mm. they program the thing and let it go, and then they sit ba- sit back and drink coffee. The way the Air Force does it is that it's like there's somebody with a PlayStation controller sitting in a trailer in Arizona. Right, because so, the thing yeah. that always sort of screams out to me in these situations is uh, network hacks. I mean, imagine if mm. someone like Lizard Squad got hold of one of these. You know, if they're if the pilots are remote, it has to be communicated via wireless, and there's always and, the potential and, and for that's, exception. And that's kind of what I'm predicting. I, I think it's going to happen is that they're going to try this program, literally retire all the pilots, and then we're going to have this big, huge incident of a of all of our drones going haywire, and whoa, they got no pilots to go bring back manned aircraft, and they got no aircraft. So I think that, yes, we will probably go to a more heavily drone presence, but I don't think they'll truly get rid of the pilot. From a philosophical standpoint, I have a hard time getting rid of the pilot, because these are we're basically talking about raining death and destruction upon human beings at, at some point with these things. And I think there has to be somebody there with... You know, some version of eyeballs on saying, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and kill whoever that is. And the sort of moral consequences that come with that. I mean, I think the Navy's idea is that is to take that that character out of the loop and just make it totally computer controlled. And honestly, that sort of reduces the problem with hacks, too, because if you program it at the ground station and unplug it and let it go. Yeah, you but know, this is kind of my problem as well, is that you're taking control away from the yeah. trained combat professionals and putting yes. it in the hands of people like me, programmers. And <laughs> I know full well what I'm like. We've seen it even with CIG, where yeah. we've, oh, what, sorry, multiplayer doesn't work? Oh, yeah, don't worry, we'll fix that in the next version. It's going to escalate to, oh, we blew up the hospital. Oh, yeah, sorry about that. The targeting computer is off, but we'll patch it in the next version. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's, it'll <laughs> hotfix it. It'll be I missed the semicolon. Friday. I killed a few civilians. It's cool. We'll patch yeah. it. Yeah, I, As an American taxpayer, I don't mind paying my taxes to support a human-controlled killing machine. But I have a real problem putting an arsenal in a computer's hands. There's a line here somewhere, and we're crawling right up to it. Maybe not even crawling. We might be just running full tilt at it. And I think... You know, that plenty of works of science fiction and even reality that we've, you know, people know and, and can touch. People's lives are more and more in the hands of the technology, and the technology is in the hands of the companies that build it, and the companies that build it are in the hands of the thousands and thousands and thousands of workers that are instrumental in putting it together. And any one of those people having a bad day or a bad week or just a momentary slip of attention the knock-on effect of that could be, you know, know, potentially fatal now because of of the types of uh, control we're handing over to the programs and the code and the hardware. Uh, But on a much brighter note, not so doomy and gloomy and uh, robots uh, taking over uh, the world stuff, 
Lennon, you found some mm. breaking news right before we went to air. Yes, I did. Uh, there's rumours abound that NASA have accidentally invented, or rather accidentally discovered, a warp field. Mm. Which, yeah. Mm. Um, basically, NASA engineers were investigating a different type of uh, engine called the M-Drive, which effectively works by using microwaves to generate thrust. And in doing the M-Drive tests, they happen to have a, a series of different scanners pointed in its general direction. As it was sending out light from the scanners, the receiving scanners on the other side appeared to pick up the light faster than it should be able to travel which, that's great news. When the lasers were fired straight through the resonance chamber of the M-Drive, the variances just said, you know, light should not be going this fast. So what they think is happening is that this M-Drive is accidentally producing a warp bubble. And as many listeners of our show are probably fans of Star Trek, but for those of you that aren't, the idea behind a warp bubble is that you create a bubble of regular space that doesn't exceed the speed of light, but you then compress space in front of that bubble and expand it behind you to propel you through space faster than the speed of light. Now, at the moment, this is all accidental discovery. They need to do some thorough tests on it, and they need to replicate it in a vacuum to make sure that this is actually accurate and isn't anything atmospheric. But it's a good start, and it's definitely a promising lead, if nothing else. What has them most excited about it is that apparently the way that light seems to be breaking the rules matches up with the way that the most recent work on the Alcubierre warp drive um, seems to predict. So it's, it's, it's like, well, yes, this could be atmospheric, this could be some things, but it's awfully coincidental that it's skewed and messed up exactly the way the math says it would be if it was a warp bubble. So that's why people are excited. So, but again, mm. that, it's breaking news. We're not going to like you know, we're, we're just easy. Calm down, everybody. Let the scientists do their bit and cross check and replicate because that's what science is about. If it happens once, it's a fluke. Twice is coincidence. Three times is a pattern. <laughs> hey. We have something here. So but then we'll, remember we'll, what happened with neutrinos. The neutrinos at the uh, at the Large Hadron Collider. It was a wire that was too long or something or too short. So I mean, there's all sorts of things that look like they're really cool and then turn out to be really mundane and stupid. So we'll just keep an eye on it for you. Believe us, we're going to keep an eye open and see what comes of it. But if you guys have read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians, send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Our crowdfunding update for April 24th, 2015, 79,391,000, up about 200k from last week. Star Citizens, we now number 879,000 strong, up about 4,000, and the UEE fleet has grown by 3,000 ships. A little bit slower this week, but... We were expecting some news on this, weren't we, Lennon? Yes, we were. Mr. Pugh, this is this particular news item directed squarely at you. Just one simple question. Where are they? To quote, well, you? You said, as you know, we provide the pricing for concept sales one week before launch. We will be selling the Miss Cull next Friday, April 24th. Well, Mr. Pugh, it's the 25th here in the future, and... They're still not here. I mean, haven't you learned anything from Chris? Never promise dates. 
except when the fan base demand it. Then give us dates, but don't give us dates, you know? Or not. I'm just a guy with the podcast. I don't care. Anyway, hopefully by the time all the listeners out there in the verse are hearing this, the Misk Hull series will be on sale for anywhere between $60 for a Hull A, right up to $550 for a Hull E. The Hull series are the famed Misk haulers, scaling from a small box truck, which I've been told is a little bit like a lorry, but I'll have to take your word for it, right up to massive super tankers on the Hull E end of the spectrum. These ships are billed as being highly configurable, with the Hull C in particular edging towards being a space pirate's favourite, as it comes equipped with advanced sensor shadow technologies, quick decompress holds, and a variety of hidden compartments. So, gents, either of you to be picking up a hull when they get released? Nah. No. No. Really? No. Not at all? No. Nah. If there's if there's one thing my several hours of, you know, uh, I say hours, days, of uh, playing Elite Dangerous as... Uh, as reminded me is that I am not a space trucker in any form or fashion at all. Yeah, that that lifestyle does not appeal to me at all. But you could have one elbow hanging out the window into the vacuum of space. No, no we'll no. hire people for that. Yeah, well, I, we have friends that do that, like yeah. like you like, and, and Elliot. Yeah. Elliot's yeah. a space trucker. Well, see, yeah. I've got a plan with a hull E. They're supposed huh? to be really frickin' massive, right? So, right. could we not use it as a mobile space station? Just stuff the back full of cutlasses and hornets and mustangs and, and I auroras think you and can mustangs. make one into a pocket carrier. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I really do think you can make one into a pocket carrier. Uh, 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 on-site critical care. That is the cool thing about having like a big super tanker-sized thing. You know, Hopefully, theoretically, there's going to be a lot of ways to modify that. So yes. that all these restrictions about, you know, you can't have a destroyer, you can't have a battleship and all that kind of stuff. You could construct a Q ship with enough time and effort and resources. I, I, would, I would like to think that that's going to be possible. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I would love to see them do, but I think this is definitely uh, not in the initial version of the Persistent Universe, would be with the modularity. If there was some way you could upgrade the what is it they're calling them now it's not freight units is it it's um no no we'll cover that later in the show but they're now called space cargo units right yes um but somewhere you could possibly upgrade that by i realize that the whole series of ships is tied specifically to the amount of freight units they can carry but i think it'd be good if you could have some way of swapping out a storage box on a ship or two that would really give it yeah give it some additional oomph to your purchase Sure. I mean, we had a discussion a couple weeks ago about being able to, you know, drop a med bay into the cargo space of a Cutlass or a uh, or a Constellation or a Caterpillar or something like that. Being able to swap in an exploration sensor suite, you know, something. It's dedicated cargo space, but it's just empty space. And if it's got the right kinds of plugins, why not drop something, you know, useful or interesting in there? It would be really cool to see them take that concept to the extreme in the MISC whole E. Uh, so that you could really, you know, do take this just empty space and turn it into a nightclub, you know, hot tubs, hot tubs at every station. Take the hot tub out of the uh, out of the Phoenix, out of Jess Phoenix, and we we put it in uh, in, in the Miss Cole E, and then put like eight hundred of them in there too, with it. You and 2400 are your best friends in the hot tubs. And then we can go a bit Inception style with it. We could stick loads of hull E's inside of an 890 jump. Inside of each hull E is like five constellations. Inside each of the yes. constellations is a is an M50. And inside the M50 is just a, uh, a, a toy car. Yeah, I, I think that this is a good idea. We should we should really push this system to its utter absolute limits. So what about the next concept cell? What do you reckon that we're going to see? I think I go with a Pegasus. Okay. 
All right. The, uh, I'm going to say I think it's probably going to be the Herald. Yeah. The Herald's probably close. I was wondering about the Herald. Um, that would probably be where my money is. I'd love to know more about the Misk Endeavor, though, because that's the big hospital ship that's supposed to be coming out. But that was a relatively recent addition to the stretch goal list, I believe. So yeah. we're probably not going to see and that for a while. I also recall from one of the interviews maybe a week or two ago with the new producer, Ohanian, she said something about the Starliner, the Genesis Starliner, being near an end stage of some kind. So it could be any one of them. But, of course... We'd like to get the ones we've been promised on time, which, of course, is the trouble with (laughs) giving solid dates. Give us dates, but don't make it look like you're giving us dates. Just date casual. Yes, yes. Do and do not. There There is is no no, Right, yes. (laughs) The latest episode of 10 for the Producers is now live. This series takes the place of the regularly released 10 for the Chairman. This week, producers Travis Day and Darian Vorlick answer questions from the subscribers. As always, there's a ton of good information in these episodes, but we wanted to talk about a couple of points we found interesting. First, Citizen Kaiser Soze asks, How is the upgrade system going to work on ships? Does each ship come with a level on the subsystems like it does on the power plant or weapons? Well, the producers let us know this is something we're actually seeing already with the variants. For example, the 325 already has a better targeting computer, so it can get weapons locks quicker versus the 300i, and that they definitely plan on having different size CPUs, just like there will be shield generators. Great news for upgrade enthusiasts. And Citizen Radiant Flux asks if we'll be able to retract the wings on our ships in space. It's often been quoted that Star Citizen ships look a little bit like modern-day fighter planes rather than spacecraft. I mean, after all, why are there wings, whose primary role is to generate lift, when space doesn't even have an atmosphere? Well, Travis and Darian tell us that the Vanguard and the Hornet have a swing wing configuration, and that in the case of the Vanguard, it actually has thrusters on the wingtips. So if you want to go faster, just swing those wings back, align the thrusters the aft and off you go. I have often thought that the cooling systems were in the wings because when I get the wings blown off my horn and all of a sudden my stuff overheats way faster. I've not really experienced that. The the thing that I find is when my wings get blown off I can't land my Mustang. Right, that's that's a design flaw I believe we, we identified early on. Be that as it may, those are the two explanations I've always thought about wings on space fighters is number one, yeah, stick thrusters on the end of it, less force is needed for greater angular momentum given the length of the lever arm. High school physics for the win. Uh, so that's one excuse I would give for putting uh, uh, wings in space fires. The other one is large surface areas for radiant cooling. Those are the two things that I would. Well, throw and let's out not forget that a lot of these fighters are also atmospheric capable. Sure, yeah, and so it, it makes sense. Uh, I think someone once likened the flying the space shuttle with its delta wing configuration and big tail fin as flying a brick. So configurable wings actually would help in an atmospheric situation because uh, even the delta wings of the space shuttle did do a whole lot for control and maneuverability. I think it makes sense. It, it's, and it just looks cool. It's a game. It's a game. Have fun. Yeah, but people do this all the time, don't they? It's like, kids will just accept Superman can fly. Adults are all like, oh, well, how is it possible that he can fly when Earth's gravity generates a field of blah, 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 and when he gets further up, the oxygen gets thinner, so surely he can't. It's like, it doesn't matter, you know, just accept it for the fact it's fun. And, yeah, I I can completely see that. But at the same time, I can understand that in a game that is so focused around the minutia and the realism, why have wings in space? But at least we have an answer now. I think two good answers. Yeah. Well, we don't usually mention reverse the verse during the news, as it tends to be a bit off the record. But occasionally there's a bit of information that we feel needs to be brought to the forefront. For those of you, like my esteemed British colleague over there, who are wondering where a certain FPS module may be, 
Reverse the Verse offers a small update on its status. It turns out that CIG are doing even more backend writes, and that coming with the FPS module, there will be a new version of the launcher, which will hopefully resolve lots of issues people have been having. The development of the new launcher has indeed caused a few delays to the FPS module, but CIG wished to assure us that all will be well. Mm. So you were saying earlier that your predictions never really pan out to be accurate. But mm-hmm. they basically said right here, well, the big yeah. problem is it's trying to link people to get patches. So, netcode. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, yeah. Jeff. Mm. I know. This is, thank you. I, Three and a half months ago. You know what you can have? You can have an achievement. Oh, we have an one for Oh, hallelujah. Yay, I get an achievement. Yay. Yay. Very nice. Very so nice. That'll be on your permanent record. Uh-huh. Along with this Perfect Attendance <laughs> Award, which is yeah. still still going strong. Yeah. So it, it, that, that's that's you know, Jeff is just racking up merit badges these days. Wow. I'm waiting for the day that he's off because the line that I've got saved up, and I'm kind of hoping <laughs> that I can use this before um, the FPS module gets released. Because the line I've been waiting to use is Tony, where the f- is the Jeff PS module, but I've not been able to use that so far because you refuse to take a day off. I you just want doesn't. me to take a day off, fine. Uh, you know, I'll take a day off. No, 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 no. D- d- Jeff, Jeff, as, as the sort of, you know, the executive producer, voice of reason guy that tries to get the show put together every week, that's not an excuse for calling in sick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon wants to use a funny line on the show. I, I can't make it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not buying it. It ain't happening. Okay. You show up for work. <laughs> you, I'll be there. Okay, good. <laughs> yes. Just just kind of like redirecting the conversation back to this thing called Star Citizen that we're apparently oh, doing. We're a podcast. Such a good time with the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Back to Star Citizen. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, we've got the new patcher launcher, which they've just done a new launcher, haven't they? With right. 1.1.1.1.1. Yeah, uh, the development history of this thing has been a small vision to start with, and then a whole bunch of money comes in, and that vision quickly ramps up to this huge thing, and. It's sometimes my experience that when you have a large change of circumstances to the positive, sometimes you get a little too optimistic about your capabilities to meet those new objectives. They've already come out and said that our back end is never going to be able to handle the data needs and the patching requirements and all that kind of stuff. And this is two or three months ago they said this. So we have to redo the back end. This was prior to 1.1.1. It's like this is why we're going to make a new launcher and rearrange our back end for... 1.1.1 1.1.1 launch, and I think again they sort of maybe underestimated the the requirements of what it's going to take to move all this data around. And this has been a concern in the back of my head for a long time. Everything here is very very physics based. Games by their very nature and simulations by their very nature leave stuff out and assume things. They are not taking any shortcuts about stuff, which means that somewhere there's a chip running calculations to determine an outcome that's going to send that outcome to another chip somewhere and then incorporate that outcome into its calculations and run the same you know sorts of things on its thing and then send that outcome back i mean and that's for every bullet every laser beam every fragment of your cockpit every swing of your wing every burn of your thruster so at some point you have to start taking shortcuts to make it a game or a simulation i'm wondering if they're sort of hitting that limit right now that's very possible, but you know, I think they will learn by now about you know this development cycle that they need to deal with the back end as well as they need to deal with the front end. I, I think that one of the major challenges is this is the first time they're going to try to merge two play modules. I mean, they had some issues 
getting the hangar and the dogfighting module to kick off. Everyone remembers the having to enter manually enter in friend matching codes and things like that to tran you know when you're transitioning from the hangar to your first uh, dogfighting module experiences, and then it became arena commander, and then it worked pretty smooth, right? Well, now they're hooking in the first person shooter module into the back end that includes the hangar and the dogfighting module, so. It's probably, I mean, we should probably sort of expect this by now. You hook in another module, you break everything that came before it because the back-end systems, the matchmaking uh, logic, all that stuff is predicated on having these two things being everything you need. Now we're introducing this third thing, which has its own sets of hookups, its own sets of logic, its own sets of uh, uh, determining ping status and, and player compatibility, blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to have the same problem again when it comes to the social module, the galactic map. And I think every time they try to hook the new module in, they're going to have problems. Well, I think we're going to have one more stage of complexity than that, because that's, like you said, that's just kind of even the complexity involved in handing off between game modes and handing off between the hangar and Arena Commander. I said it way back when. This was in the early days when the dogfighting module was uh, first revealed with the uh, where you saw the hangar doors opening on one of those PAX mm-hmm. videos and then they flew out. Mm-hmm. Um, said back then, one of the things that we've yet to see, and we've still yet to see it, is any actual transition between game modes. You know, we've got Arena Commander, but that is a completely standalone arena. Your FPS character doesn't really get involved in that. And then you've got Star Marine, which by all indications so far is, again, you're going to sit in your sim pod, you're going to fire it up, the game is going to load, and it's going to transition, it's going to take you to a completely different map, a completely different self-contained arena. With the multi-crew yeah. multiplayer, we're starting to sort of see a bit of the transition between FPS and Arena Commander, or at least how that would be possible, but we've yet to see a complete transition of, I'm in the hangar, I'm in a ship, I'm now leaving the ship to go into the big wide verse, I'm now coming out of the verse, back into my hangar, getting out of my craft, and walking around. We've not seen anything like that, so I think that what we're going to see is, not only are we going to have the delays in trying to do the handoffs between the systems, like you're saying, when they plug in the social module, it's going to have to, you know, the handover's going to be from the, presumably from the hangar you get in the elevator, you're probably going to see a loading screen that's then going to launch you into your standalone bubble again. But I think that once they then try to introduce the um, the smoothness, for want of a much better term, of being able to do everything seamlessly, that that's also where we're going to see a lot of slowdown um, in terms of getting everything integrated and patched and released. But again, this is just because the project is hugely ambitious. But that's also one of the right. reasons I backed. So well, they they can't even get my swag on, uh, properly in the hangar. I mean, I'm still got my oh, you know uh, no, and you don't have a couch either. Yeah. Or minions to go on the couch. You know, my fish tank doesn't. My fish tank does not belong behind. You know, my jet blast. <laughs> well, well, if you have tropical fish, they want to be kept warm. Or if you get hungry, you know, you could just quickly yeah. ro- like boil, boil them up on your on your way out. Yeah, that's why you put the crabs in there because they're always better when you boil them. Makes total sense. Hmm. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Meet the CIG Devs, Episode 22, with Lisa Ohanian, Production Manager at CIG. Clean shot Nexus Contrap. Price warfare taken to the extreme. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide, the Vega system. Hats off to CIG. Star Citizen branded caps are now available.
So as you might have noticed, it's been a bit of a slow news week, and I was kind of hoping it would be slow because they'd be getting their heads down because there'd be an announcement about something. Mm-hmm. I just can't... The whole series, obviously. The whole series. That's obviously. what it is, the Hull series. Yeah. Right, right, right. But There's nothing else on your mind. Well, I was kind of wondering, where the f*** is the FPS module? Ah, right. That's supposed to be sometime this month, according to our predictions. Yep. Well, no, according Excuse to them. Me, according, according, <laughs> according to yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, yes, and according to our, we, we, which we agreed with, ex- with the with the lone exception of one member of our hosting staff here, mm-hmm. Mr. Jeff McComb, who predicted that there would be a stumbling block or a delay based on, what was it, Lennon? Netcode. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, Jeff's achievement, well-earned, well-deserved. But in the meantime, what have you guys been doing? What have you been up to? What have you been playing? Elite. Yeah. You got your Cobra, didn't you, Jeff? I did. I did. Cool. And I've been making I've been making some decent cash, so nowhere near the two of you. But uh, you know, uh, you know, a couple of couple of trips, and I, you know, I have a million. And yeah, do not put me in the same class as Elliot. Oh yeah, Elliot's real broken up. He's crying in his beer that he can't share his twenty seven million space bucks with us. Yep, yeah, that that <laughs> design flaw in Elite Dangerous has him really depressed. Has he been doing a bit of exploiting? No, no, no. It's all perfectly legit. He just he he just has like a huge cargo hold, and he makes just this same run between these two systems over and over right. and over and over again and it gets like you know 300,000 space bucks per run and the monotony of that would just in real life it would probably drive me to suicide uh, I am not going to log into a video game to run a space trucking route but it makes it makes Mr. Tan large amounts of fake money <laughs> he's going to love the whole series okay so a bit of a challenge to you guys um as you know my pc did a little bit of exploding recently and i've yes. not been able to do much um for, to answer the question though i've been playing a lot of angry birds on my phone and then my phone died so i've had to get a new one of those but anyway um we i've recently ordered uh, enough components to resurrect my machine so in five words or less why should i buy elite dangerous Star Citizen Light practice now. Well, that sold it for me. Good. There you go. Yes. Yeah, I think it, it will that. excite you. Yeah, that's that's less than four words. He made, yeah. he made another five. Yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah. Can you can you go three? Play with us. Ooh, uh, Jeff two. Space Sim. Oh. There. Oh. Yeah, that may have done it. That may have just one done word, it. Tony. Just done it. Uh, good word. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> And this week's community question. Next week, we're phoning it in. Actually, we want you to phone it in. You can either join us live next Friday on our TeamSpeak server. Instructions for how to join us will be on our show notes. Or send us an MP3 file or media link with your question for us to play on the air. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post a YouTube or SoundCloud link on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's chat to Tyrol in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Come with me as I travel across space and visit interesting locations, taste amazing new foods, meet interesting folk, and see the local color all across the galaxy. On today's episode, I'm taking a trip to somewhere off the beaten path near the Banu Protectorate, Tyrol. Come on, let's go meet Titus, my local guy, to see where we're off to first. Well, time to engage the quantum drive. 
Ah, that, there's Tyrrell, the late-stage red giant star. Scientists have determined that at any point in the next thousand years, the whole thing could go supernova. As in, maybe right now? We should go, Steve. It's not safe here. Oh, don't be so nervous, Dorn. The, the network sent you along to keep the Rift Rothaway planet side. No one's expecting you to protect me against astronomical events. But it, it's not going to blow right now, right? No idea. And now, over here, you'll see Seven, as the locals refer to it. It's uh, hotly debated whether or not this is, in fact, a planet. Uh, what is decided upon, though, is when the star goes pop, it won't be affected immediately. So several research organisations have wanted to install a frozen manned research station to observe when the system decides to toss in the towel. But so far, no one's had the credits to raise it. In part because there's almost no official UEE protection here, and many suspect it'll just get robbed. My old squadmates heard I was coming here and are flying to cover for free. Itching for a chance to fill in some pirate holes with laser holes. How many security personnel are on this ship in case we get boarded? Well, let me see. There's uh, there's you, so that's one. And uh, uh, Hang on. Uh, there's Cheryl Six. Not the most exciting. Just a jovial-style gas giant, mostly for refueling, but... There is a holographically hidden communications drone in one of the asteroids. It's, it's there to see if the gas ignites when the system goes. No fuh. Uh, not much to see here, though. Well, time to engage the quantum drive. Ah, here we are, Haven. This underground city is built in the caves under the heat, blasting the surface of Tyrrell 5. This cafe I've heard of serves the best fish and chips and has a fine homebrew beer. Yeah, I had some sent up from Morbid here. Oh, correction. That's a strong homebrew beer. Oh, <laughs> and it isn't even fish. You know, it's time to go. <laughs> Time to engage the quantum drive. But I haven't even got to talk to the locals. I have. About three of them. Back there. Well, what do they say? One of them wanted to in that Oh, oh dear. We really can't have that kind of language on this uh, program. I know. That's why I stabbed the other two in their necks before they said anything worse. <laughs> oh, uh, definitely time to engage the quantum drive. Uh, not to let a little mostly justifiable homicide ruin the trip. <laughs> We're approaching Tarot 4. Per first some planetology and then a bit of a history lesson. Yep, a gas giant. Most of its atmosphere has been stripped. It's been mined for gems. Most people suspect that's what's happened, but there is still value if you're willing to look hard enough. Well, time to engage the... Oh, 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 not so fast. Bit of a history lesson here. Haven is where Boasi Prentice famously met his pilot, Derek Vaughn. Boasi had taken his ship on the run from debts and went off to explore and do research, but he never had a way to pay them back. And they took the ship right out from under him and renamed it from the Pythias to the Rippin' Rag. Some good buddies of mine had been on that crew on that ship. Sounds like it was a good time all around. Most of them eventually turned to mining on this very asteroid field. Almost as dangerous. But a good way to make some creds if you play your cards right. And if you look out the window, over there are Tyrrell 3 and 2. Just about to the final destination here, so just hold on tight. Uh, there we go. Uh, 2 used to be a Super Earth, but now it's just a hot big iron ball. <laughs> I told you this is a family show! And if you look, 3 is similarly a wasteland of the planet. Good for some research, but that's about it. Oh, there it is. Terrell One, known locally as the Front Row. 
It used to be. Uh, hold on, I studied up on this one. I've got it. It used to be a research station on the Tier One's largest remaining moon in 2930. But in 2941, the money ran out, and mercenaries and smugglers took over. I have some exciting plans to experience many of the interesting things a place like this has for sale. Uh, the station specifically said not to let you land here. Apparently, advocacy special agents are some of your biggest fans. I never get to have any fun. Well, time to engage the quantum drive. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he knows what Willis was talking about, and that he knows all the facts of life. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. And last week's community question was, give us your take on CIG's approach to dealing with the ongoing multiplayer problems. TMI? Or are we going to need uh, cover sheets on those TPS reports? Yeah. Well, the con artist says, purchase the cover sheets. A bit more transparency with the servers would help. Nice show, and I totally agree with the fish having some charm to them that just absorbs my monies. Benu says, porridge, baby bear style. While I haven't been playing, I have been watching Will Leverett's and Jeremy Masker's posts, and they strike a very nice balance between technical content and brevity. There's enough technical meat to show progress, but not so much that an exec would say, too long, didn't read. That's a pretty tall order for somebody directly in the trenches. I'm a programmer, so I think that it would be cool to read more detail about how the backend is structured and where the problems are, but I'm not silly enough to waste their time and demand they do it. It could easily take them twice as long to explain to me what they've changed and why, as it took for them to actually make the changes. What they've done is hard, and I am in awe. Sealdian writes in and says, Multiplayer problems? What is this you are talking about, silly guard freaks? Seriously, I think they've done a great job of keeping the community updated without too much technical ease. Will L has found a good balance, and his post-mortem post was just right. He gave credit to an engaged community and engendered a team spirit for what was accomplished. He successfully included us in the struggle to get the netcode on track and kept it straightforward and concise. BZ, game support team. Put the cover sheets away before somebody gets hurt. I played today and had zero issues across five matches in various modes and maps. First time ever. It was so smooth, too. Buttery smooth. It's coming together, boys. Rubs hands together. Well, Krell says, I've been following Star Citizen for a long time now. Their level of communication with the community has been nothing short of spectacular and absolutely unique. No one else has ever done anything like it. From the early days with Wingman's Hangar, crappy low-budget production values and all, through the several slickly produced shows they do now, the design posts, monthly updates, jump point releases, etc. Their output at times has me feeling a little overwhelmed with sheer volume. A little bit like trying to drink from a fire hose. <laughs> he goes on to say, There is one area where I feel the lack of communication has been blatantly obvious in comparison to the constant information flood pouring out of CIG, and that has to do with one of the core features of the game, controller balance. Aside from the design doc released back in June last year, they have avoided the topic. It might be somewhat obvious, but this is my primary and really my only issue with CIG, and I find it quite frustrating, mostly because it's so important to me. So, as not to end on a sour note, let me repeat that CIG's level of communication with its community has been truly astounding, and I have thoroughly enjoyed the last two and a half years of this journey. Amontillado says, when it comes to technical difficulties, I think timely and regular updates go a long way towards alleviating frustration. No such thing as TMI in those cases. CIG is doing a good job of keeping us informed and should continue to do so. 
well, I guess most people think they're doing they're doing it doing yeah. it right. Well, uh, I, I you know I right. tend to agree. I, I would have to say that their level of communication is astounding for any game developer so far. And it's just the little things that we nitpick on and, and you know tear apart. I think that was Krell's point, and we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. It's you know when you know what the priorities are, and you don't see your priority on the list, it makes you kind of frustrated. Like Krell, his thing is the controller balance, right? You know, and I nitpick on the economy, and Jeff, you nitpick on what do you nitpick on, Jeff? I, I nitpick on the on the cost of things. I mean, for for a game that's in development. Hey, Jeff, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else knew the answer to that question too. I just wanted, to, you know, but I'm glad you had the right answer there. Lena, what do you what do you nitpick on? Oh, uh, the generally whatever you say, the opposite. Exactly. You don't nitpick on anything. <laughs> You're the constant voice of positivity and optimism, and and you always call me a whiner. Yes, but but it, but the point still stands is that if you have that complete information and you know that your issue isn't a priority, it can feel very frustrating. And so that's the that's the flip side of being as informative as CIG is with the strategy. But I think I think it's a price willing to pay that most people are willing to pay. I think it's a price CIG is wise to pay, and uh, I hope they continue with with their track record of being pretty open with what's going on internally. Yeah, and I think it is important to again just say that personally, I feel that there is a lot more communication coming out of CIG than out of any other game developer that I've ever followed having been interested in their game the amount of communication that they put forth with i mean you get weekly updates on around the verse with all their studios you get the monthly reports and then when you have the hot topic issues you do get uh the devs taken to the forums and so on and so yeah i I think you know it's still worth remembering that they do way above and beyond but it just goes to prove that ultimately we're never satisfied well Amontillado goes on to say in general show feedback a quick question for you all regarding Star Marine given the law builder work done early on by the writers in the community what do you all think of this apparently new version of Satabor that is apparently quite a different beast from what was previously designed there was a that was one of the lore builder mm. yeah one of the very first lore builders that was out there people came wrote in and, and kind of as a community collaboration effort of, of designing this game I don't remember the final outcome to be quite frank but yeah you know, I'm pretty sure it didn't involve the battle sphere from Ender's game I'm, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't a thing I think that's this is one of those cases where the lore is giving way to the reality of the game's development and i think we should expect to see this to one extent or another again somewhere along the development process is that some pieces parts of the fiction that have been established are probably going to get retconned to a certain extent or another to take into account some technical realities that they're going to hit i don't know what those are going to be at this point mini jump points (coughs) sorry um but uh but i think that there's going to be something along those lines at some point that we're just you just got to expect it because it's part of the development like that thing you thought was really cool in fiction not going to really work when we talk programming yeah although having said that i don't think that satable would have been too difficult to program in the way that they had originally said it in the law builder i just think that they took the opportunity to you know they couldn't call it the battlesphere probably for copyright reasons and they needed some sort of anti-grav esport hey we've already got an esport with it's got a name and it's established in the universe so just nick it and like you said, crowbar it in and retrofit it. Well, I mean, yeah, what they needed to do was to create some sort of reason for people to play in the zero-G environment. We need to do something now, and we don't have the time to make up an entirely new game or the new name for the game, so we're just going to steal what we've already got. And retcon. 
Sean Newboy says, wonderful show, everyone. That third try at landing the booster was so close. Yes. Fourth time will be the charm. Yeah. I, I believe this. I think I figured out where they're going wrong. I've read the manual, and apparently as it's approaching the landing platform, it has to push N to request landing. That brings up a ah. landing radar on its HUD, and then it just guides right. in. It's quite simple. Okay. All right. Well, the next time. Next time, Mr. Musk. Sakaroos says, I can't believe I fully understood the abbreviation in the thumbnail without even having to think about it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the abbreviation of uh, WTFITFPSM. Apparently that's become <laughs> a thing. And Anglomani says, is Godfreak ever going to use Stitcher? Um, I think Shiv replied to this, didn't he? Or was it you, Tony? I don't recall replying to it, but I, I have the answer. And the answer is probably no. The reason is, is that when you hand your program up to Stitcher, uh, they retain the rights to distribute that show. According to the fine print, there's some things about the ownership of the copyright that I didn't, I didn't like. Thank you, Mr. Lawyer. I, I know. It's our duty is our sacred oath to make things no fun for everybody. That's what we do. And, you know, I am here to fulfill that role. Teclar Meeps says, thanks for posting, Jay or Justin. I look forward to each episode more and more. Kind of grows on you like mold, but far more enjoyable. And Justin replies to Teclar, LOL, well, we are a bunch of fun guys. Get it? Fun guys? Walls! <laughs> Sticky outy tongue face. And Teclar Meeps, not to be outdone, replies, Moss humorous. Oh, God. <sighs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to fire somebody. Yeah. But the first person we're going to go after. The first person going after to now is first verse problems because he's at it again. Do you know what he's done? What's he done oh, this no. time? What's he done? He had he started a, a serious problem on Twitter. He started with the your wingman is so blank jokes. The your mama oh, like jokes. Your mama jokes. Yep. Yeah. So so what this started off this morning is I mean it was it was it just like a whirlwind. Started off with a terrible joke from him. Your wingman is so dumb they thought hulls A through E were upgrades to their existing hull. And, of course, I knew he was causing trouble. I called him out on it, and then I jumped in with it. Uh, I replied, your wingman is so fat, his spacesuit is measured in freight units. That got some kind of response from Mr. Lesnick, who says, I'm sorry, we use standard cargo units now. They're more slimming. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ben jumped into the fray and said, your wingman's so dumb, he thought Fifty Shades of Grey was about the space crab. And then I went back on him and said, your wingman's so dumb, I sent him to get 30 FUs of space crabs from the VD store. So I am part of the problem now. I realize this. And um, gentlemen, I think we should take turns uh, go quoting from Twitter from a, a fine selection of the many your wingman jokes that we instigated today on the Twitter feeds. Lennon, if you would do the honors and uh, start there. So to kick us off, your wingman is so ugly, he has a scythe. Yes, he's a vandal. Uglier than a vandal. Very nice. Your wingman is so dumb, he took a can of raid to a super hornet <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right, okay. Your wingman is so broke, he pays for fuel with wreck. <sighs> Your yeah. wingman is so dumb, Kythera gave up on them. <laughs> <laughs> Not even artificial intelligence is going to help. Your wingman is so dumb, he keeps a saddle in his hangar for his Mustang. <laughs> Ooh, Lennon. Hey. Oh, well, hang on. It gets worse. Your wingman is so dumb, he keeps a Mustang in his hangar. Oh, oh. Now I take Ooh. exception to that. Ooh. Because just just Burn. remind me, in that in that match, which 
which ship won? I kind of, I'm having a bit of memory loss. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a joke for that one. Your wingman is so forgetful that uh, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, something. Well, uh, something. Well, I don't, I don't know. Your wingman's so bad he needs a bungee cord to stay in formation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Your wingman's so dumb he thinks a Bengal carrier is a shipping crate for tigers. <laughs> okay, well, your wingman's so fat, Chris Roberts crashed into him immediately after takeoff. <laughs> uh, uh, your wingman is so dumb, he once mistook a moon for a space station. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Right. Oh, your wingman's so dumb, he thinks he has to use chafe to avoid missiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, your wingman is so dumb, he flew to the Nexus system to buy a Google phone. <laughs> well, your wingman's so stupid, he won't fly a hornet because he's allergic to bee stings. Well, that was, that was just a, a selection, a smattering of the many uh, your it goes wingman on jokes, and on, yeah, and yeah, it on. went on and on. We couldn't read all of them, but uh, I want to say thanks in air quotes to everybody who participated in yet another one of first verse problem shenanigans that he kicked off, and that I encouraged. <laughs> that was how I spent my time. I was on a flight this morning, uh, and so that's how I spent my time in the air. I, you know, paid for an internet connection. Uh, Lennon, what was what was the point you were making earlier? And yes, we've got we've got a device that is uh, so small and compact it can fit in your pocket. You can hold it in your hand. It can access a database that has the wealth of human knowledge on it. But we use it for posting your mama jokes on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to the show here. Oh, okay. No new patrons this week, but we did have some adjust their pledge up. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of Random.org, is Dr. Argon. Enjoy your glorious Guard Frequency sticker. Coming your way, hopefully without network issues. Let's hope. And a reminder, this week's community question. Next week, we're phoning it in. Actually, we want you to phone it in. You can either join us live next Friday on our TeamSpeak server or send us an MP3 file or media link with your question for us to play on the air. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post a YouTube link or SoundCloud link on our show thread over robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Did we light up your life or was it more like a flash in the pan? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 69 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 70 on May the 5th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek online in the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, well, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live, especially next week, because we want you guys to be the show with us. 
We start recording on 8.30 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays, 2.30 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Chawton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lovely. Reduce thrust. Tandy 330, Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowding <laughs> I thought I was going to get through it's this. It's about time we messed up on an intro. We haven't done it for ages. Yeah, it's two or um, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Itching for a chance to fill in some pirate holes with leaves. Oh, man. Hole with holes. Yeah, holes. Hole holes. with holes. Hole, 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 hole. <laughs> um. Printed disposable unmanned drone. I'm messing up all A drone it. swarm. And just in reply, uh, Teclan Reaps. L R L Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at sh- at shownotes.com. No, that's not where they're at. <laughs> shownotes.com. Hey. We, we, we need to reserve that. <laughs> we should. I'm going to get on that. Firstly, citizen Kaiser. Oh, it's Kaiser Sose. First, so, first and, and citizen. He, and Kaiser he blames Sose. me for screwing up names. <laughs> yeah, well. See, Kaiser Kaiser Sose is supposed to be two words, and then it's citizen and first. So there's lots of this in here, so I should probably just pretend I'm drunk. Hey, you know what? You mean you're not? I don't present excuses. I just admit my flaws. Well, my flaws is that I should be <laughs> drunk and I'm not. This is my flaw. <laughs> Thank you. I thought that was standard operating procedure. No, that, that's what that's over priority one. Oh, Elijah, Elijah, and Cookie get, get some wine, and they go to <laughs> you know, then they they go to town on the script. I, I'm I'm stone cold sober, and I've got some caffeine here, so that's that's not how we roll here at the Guard Frequency. I mean, it's often been quoted that star star citizen ships, star citizen ships. Yeah. Try to try to try to get better. All right. Oh, you two lay off the sauce. (laughs) Lay all out the sauce. You lay off the sauce. Yeah. It's all that cough syrup coming back once more, isn't it? And that, in the case of the Vanguard, it actually has thrusters on the wingtips. Actually has on the wingamangs. On the the wingamangs. It's the word wing. I can't do it, except for when I do it. Well, take it away. Sorry, (laughs) Jeff. Go, Jeff. Go, Jeff. Go, (laughs) Go, Jeff. Go. Go. Go, Jeff. Well, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Throwing me off here.